Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Co-directors Evgenia Arbogaiva, as well as Maxim Arbogaiv, a brother and sister filmmaking team, are native filmmakers who document a remarkable event of global significance in their Arctic homeland in the Academy Award-nominated documentary short, Haul Out. This compelling and harrowing film follows a marine biologist living in the Siberian Arctic as he chronicles the planet's largest walrus haul out. It's a gathering of thousands of these marine mammals who are dealing with the consequences of climate change. Warming seas have forced these walruses to congregate on land where stampedes and tramplings can result in fatalities. It's an amazing documentary film. And we're joined today by one of the co-directors of the film, Evgenia Arbugaeva. Evgenia, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. As I mentioned, you're from this part of the world, must feel near and dear to you for a lot of reasons. What was it that put you on to following Maxim Chekalev? Well, we we are indeed from this um, area. We were we grew up in a small town called Tixi on the shore of um, Arctic Ocean. We grew up in the tundra. And uh, the region where the, the film is made is actually very close to our our homeland. So it felt it felt very natural to be there. And but also, you know, I'm I'm a photographer. That's my first time, um, my, my debut in filmmaking. And um as a photographer, I've been covering stories from from the Arctic for more than a decade now. And you know, increasingly these stories are becoming um stories of uh, devastation brought by climate change and in in Chukotka in this region, we were uh Maxim and I, my brother and I, we were working on photography project. And for a couple of years, we were following um, an indigenous community, uh, indigenous Chukchi community that live in a small village of 300 people called Enormina. These people, they still live off the land and the sea and very much uh, preserve their culture. And uh, while we were living with them, they, they showed us this place, this very unusual beach that uh, we once visited. And it was very dark color. Uh, the sand was kind of this burnt dark color, and there was bones everywhere and skulls and 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 a very um, horrible horrible smell. In the middle of it, there was this little hut, and the hunters told us that every autumn there is thousands and thousands of walruses coming out on this beach, and then there is this one biologist that are living that is living in this hut all alone. He's been working for more than 10 years here and of course we were really intrigued by the story and we wanted to see the walruses and next year we came back and we met the scientist we've seen the haul out and of course it had a left an incredible um impression on us and we just thought that you know this is a film we need to tell the story and so the next year we came back and uh, we followed our protagonist the whole of three and a half months, which is his field season. So you actually lived there for three and a half months. Is that what you're saying? Yes, we lived in this little hut, <laughs> all three of us. It's very small, 
but we had our bunk bed just behind the the stove and uh yeah let's describe what you have alluded to and when you call it a haul out and i alluded to it in the in our introduction but basically it and i'll just kick us off by saying it's a gathering of walruses but to i'm sure you do, do a much better job than that but what, how would you describe it so in an ideal world walruses they're migratory species they rest on floating ice during their migration and they don't come out on land but because there's no ice in the arctic ocean in summer in you know in the past years they are forced to come out haul out on the beach on the land and the reason why they haul out on this particular beach is because they're feeding ground and they they eat mollusks that kind of the fields of mollusks on the bottom of the ocean this field of mollusks are not too far from this beach so what they do they they eat and then they have to go and rest on the beach and then they they come back again to eat and rest and so on. Normally, there would be this ice flows just above the feeding ground. So they would eat, come back on the floating ice and continue their journey. So now they have to adapt to completely new iceless environment. And how long has that been the reality of an iceless? Yeah, since so, so this whole out haven't been studied much for um, before Maxim's time, before our scientist's time, the real data that we have is the one that um, Maxim gathered, and he'd been doing it for ten years. And already from you know, ten years ago, there was already this very this tendency of them holding out in huge numbers, and every year this number increases. And at the moment, we're looking at almost eighty percent of uh, population of Pacific walruses are holding out on this particular beach. My God, 80%. Well, in the film, the number that's that we see is in this, I don't know how big an area we're looking at. There's an aerial view of it. About how much territory are we talking about? Oh, I, I'm afraid to, 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 to give you wrong numbers, but it's, it, it, it's pretty large. It's um, the reason why um, it's also so crowded is because the beach, the sandy beach is, is flat, and then there is this elevation. And of course, they cannot go into elevation, or they, they some of them they're forced to. But then the further they go into the tundra, the further they're from the sea. And it's a very unnatural environment for them, full of danger. So of course, animals, they, they try to stay as close as they can to the water. And that that kind of causes this density of animals. Is it a, a mile wide or a mile long or more than that or less than that? It's it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's it's probably about. Uh, I'm I'm thinking in kilometers. Uh, okay, well that's in, right. in kilometers. It's, it's probably about three, like three or four kilometers long, and then yeah, probably like a, a one and a half kilometers. And the estimates that we see in the film are somewhere in the neighborhood of ninety-five to a hundred thousand walruses correct which is just and you see it in the film and there are some you know you as a photographer someone who has captured the beauty of nature there's two different ways in which we experience what i'm describing the overview and then we have this sort of right up close and personal to to this enormous sea of of these mammals and it it is stunning and i i urge anyone who's interested 
and seeing this film haul out, uh, prepare yourself for a visual shock. That's certainly there's a certain one particular key moment in the film when we are uh, we're made aware of just the the size and scope of this. Your journey there, you had some foreknowledge of what to expect, but when you're standing next to this sea of these large mammals, what took what what struck you as you were standing there? Well, when we first saw it, we were anticipating. We we knew that there would be walruses coming, but of course, nothing prepared us for for the reality. And uh, actually, there is a scene in the film where um, scientist opens the door, and we see all this uh, thousands of walruses. And actually, this this is how we saw uh, saw them for the first time as well. We were sleeping, and uh, I remember my brother. He he came out. Um, it was early morning, like 5 a.m. or something, and he went out and then he came back. And in the meantime, I'm in my sleeping bag and I hear him breathing really heavily, pacing the hut. And then he's like, hey, you got to get up. You you have to see this. And I got I got out and I opened the door and that there they were. There's like this just huge amount. And also the light was so surreal. It was blue light of, of dawn and uh it just kind of uh, heightened that that sense of of unreal scene. So I'm glad we had an opportunity to capture that in the film. But of course, you know, it was um, at times it was very hard to be in the small hut. It felt quite claustrophobic to be surrounded by so many animals, not being able to leave the hut. Uh, you know, at some point, and it's very loud. Um, they're they're making noise and it they kind of sound like a army of orcs from Lord of the Ring, you know, and they're batting their heads and tusks against the wall in the window. Um, you, you cannot sleep. Um, we At some point, we couldn't use um, a stove to heat the place because the smell of, of burning wood scares them. So anything that is foreign, like smell or sound, scares them and they it can, you know, spread this wave of panic throughout whole out. So we had to be very careful. So we couldn't hit the, the place, but at some point, the, the warmth of the bodies that were just surrounded the hut started to raise temperature inside the hut. Wow. And of course, the smell was also really, really bad to the point that we had like, our eyes were tearing from this kind of ammonia smell. Um, so it was it was a quite a challenging experience, but physically, I would say that the hardest part was probably the emotional one because, you know, we were watching them suffer and we were just watching them from the door, from the cracks of the walls, from the from the roof. And there is absolutely nothing we could we could do. And this realization of this, that this process is irreversible. And it was just very, very sad at times. Yeah. Yeah, I I was struck. Yes, yeah, so when watching this film by much of what you just described is this amazing sight, beautifully captured, by the way. Your you and your brother's eye for capturing images in this film is is spectacular. But it doesn't take long for the sort of excuse me, I don't know if this is exactly the right word, but the humanity of seeing these creatures unable to navigate the world in which they have for so long been able to. And now they're at the the whim of the ocean. They're at the whim of thousands and thousands of other fellow mammals. 
reading more into it, but there did there did seem to me to be a sense of desperation among these creatures. Is that is that a am I being fair or is that accurate? Definitely, I think the we could definitely feel that um, tension and panic. You know, there was so many of uh, lost uh, cubs. They were separated from their mother. There are so many. The, most of the animals they already arrived quite exhausted to the haul out because they had to cross open water without um, any chance of, of resting on the ice. So by the time they arrive, they're all very tired and it takes a while to, to recover their energy. By the time they recover their energy, they have to go feed. Um, and this way of going feeding is also iceless. So they, they again, they spend a lot of energy. And, and so it just felt like they didn't have time to fully recover uh, and then they had to make a move again. And the most vulnerable of them were young um, young animals or the animal animals that arrived, you know, or, 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 or female that arrived, you know, um, weaker already. This particular beach was also the site of, of ancient settlement of indigenous people. We've been finding quite a bit of um, artifacts um, in the sand from, you know, uh, tools made of walrus tusks and and stones, etc. It's it's a very it's very spiritually charged place. In a way, it was also kind of uh, sad to under- to realize that you know that culture, indigenous culture, is also you know on the way of being lost because of either globalization and inability to also adapt to the new climate. It, it was quite a layered experience for us, for sure. I just want to uh, remind our listeners that we're speaking with. Evgenia Arbugaiva, and uh, who, along with her brother Maxime Arbugaiv, were are the co-directors of this uh, Oscar-nominated documentary short called Hall Out. One thing you said earlier is that, and it's it, it hit me because this is the new world we live in. That that ice isn't coming back. Yes, it's not, and the only thing that we can do now is to. Try not to make it worse, you know, and um, we as filmmakers, as documentary um, photographer, we think about how to tell stories of climate change, right? And oftentimes now we hear that you need to give people hope. You need to give something to look look forward to, I suppose. And in our film, um, it just it was just so hard to find that hope, but I felt that Anyways, we have to tell the, the story as it is. We need to show the reality. And, I'm, I'm, you know, we're just contributing to this conversation from our angle, from our homeland. And we wanted to show people what is really happening without sugarcoating it, without narrating it also. Let the viewer kind of to arrive to their own understanding of the problem in the film. The way the film opens, the way it, you're right, it's all kind of... Uh... It's all natural sound. We're hearing not only the walruses, we're 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 seeing the work of Maxim Chakalev and um, how he's going about doing his work. Is he still uh, doing what he's been doing? Does he continue to do that work? Yes, he's very very dedicated person, and this is also one of the things that we really wanted to to show and to portray this invisible work of scientists that work on the ground uh, for years and years, collecting data so that. 
we know about population of animals. We, you know, some scientists gather information for that we can then use for climate modeling, etc. So there's there's an army of of invisible uh, frontline workers on the ground in the Arctic and in all over the world, and their work is oftentimes not recognized. It's their work is just seen in numbers in in these forms that they fill in, etc. So. But for him, it's um, it's his personal mission, and he's deeply, deeply connected to to these animals, to this land, the the community of Chukchi people who live nearby. They're fully embraced him, even though he's not from there. So it it really feels like it's uh, you know part of his life, and it will be for a very long time. Well, we are visual creatures, and sometimes uh, all the statistics in the world don't matter to people unless they see it and then it does then it matters it begins they get begin to understand just how important it is and if there is ever a film that you're going to see for those listening to our conversation that will open your eyes to this uh this would be the film you want to look at called haul out it has been nominated for the 2023 academy award for documentary short it's a spectacular film and the reviews uh, that I've seen for the film must feel otherworldly to you because they're, they're they've just been every it's been an incredible reception the film has received in addition to the nomination for the Academy Award so must feel gratifying for you and your brother. Yes, absolutely. Also considering this is you know for me personally it's my first experience with film and I'm quite overwhelmed to be honest with with the reaction and with all this recognition. But we're so pleased that, you know, this topic uh, will have an attention and we already see the in, how it influences Maxim Chakilev's work, you know, in scientific circles, in educational cir- circles. And probably the most gratifying things for us was how much, because it's free online, you can watch it free on, on the New Yorker website, on YouTube. We've just seen that teachers in classrooms and universities and schools, they've been showing this film to students. And that is probably the most gratifying part of it all. That's great. It's got to be sobering for someone in the fifth or sixth grade to see something like this and know, I shudder at the world we're leaving our children. And um, But uh, this is a good place to start. You have to start somewhere. We have to start educating people. As difficult as it may be, it is something we that has to happen. So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film to look at. And my congratulations to you and your brother for your work. And if people want to find out more about your particular work, is there a website where they can go for your photography and such? Yes. Um, um, it's my website, evgeniaarbogayeva.com. I've been covering stories from the Arctic for more than a decade. So it, it's there's quite a collection of stories from far north. So I saw that. It is beautiful to look at and can continue your great work and and my my regards to your brother for for all of this so thank you so much evgenia abu gaiva for your work and for your brother's work and my all the best to you i hope uh that march is a fruitful month for you and your brother so thank you so very much and appreciate your time and your patience thank you so much thank you mike You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. 
You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 